week, kicking off the Christmas season, um, I started with a question. Um, and the question was, at this time in your life, what would grow your faith or belief in God the most? Remember that for those of you guys who are with me? And we actually, I actually gave you a little bit of time. I handed you a card and, and like had you like fill it out. And I asked for Christmas, for me, like, like you guys gave me a Christmas gift, you guys all responded and handed in like little cards, and your responses were so cool. I loved, I like looked at them all week. The, again, the question is, at this point in time, what would grow your faith or belief in God the most? It's a good question, right? In fact, if you were not here, or even if you were here last week, think about it again. What would it be? Uh, what would grow your faith at this point in time in your life, at your age, your stage of life, what's going on in the world, you know, with the news, with whatever, like whatever it might be, what's going on with your family, what's going on in your spirit, in your, your own life, your heart, your mind, what would grow your faith the most? And I've been asking this question to a lot of different people, just kind of anytime I get a chance to ask it, I bring it up to people and it's been really, it's been like really cool conversations. Um, for, like you guys, uh, some of my favorite ones from last week were someone just was really honest, was like, I don't know. And I like that. I, I like that honesty. Um, it, it, because and I wanted to phrase it in such a way, what would grow your faith or belief? Because maybe you don't believe, maybe you're not sure what you believe. So it's like, I don't even know if I would call myself a person of faith. So what would grow your belief, you know? And this person is like, I don't know. Uh, uh, um, another one that I really, really liked, um, it was a woman who, who wasn't here at church um, because she's in hospice. She's dying. And I was with her, and, and I, I was like, this is a funny question that I would ask to you because you're like, literally, this is the, to put it into perspective, her birthday's January 6th, and she's like, I'm not sure I'm going to make it there. She'll turn 90 on January 6th. And she's like, I don't think I'm going to make it. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty incredible. But she was lucid. She was alert. And I was like, this is a funny question. But at this point in time in your life, what, what would grow your faith? And she kind of just chuckled. And then she thought for a second. She's like, you know, at this point in time, I'd be happy with just a glimpse of where I'm going. It's kind of a cool response, right? Um, one of the responses from you guys last week, at this point in time, what would grow your faith and belief in God the most? I like this, listening to Silent Night on Christmas Eve. I was like, that we can do, you know, because we'll, we'll for sure sing that on Christmas Eve. Um, a lot of you guys said something about seeing people, other people around you, your family, your friends, grow in, in their relationship with God. Uh, a lot of you wrote about, I just need to see something. I need to feel something. I'd love to have an experience with God where I can, it's, it's, it's personal. The word personal showed up a lot. Just something, God to do something that feels extremely personal. I really like that as well. Some, some of you wrote, um, and this is interesting, more time in prayer or you know, reading the Bible or even just going to church and fellowshipping with people. In, in other words, God, you've already done stuff. I just need to, to, like, partake in it. You know, like, you've already set the table, God. I just need to come and eat from it. I like that as well. But overwhelmingly, the, 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 the big category response that you guys said was just this idea of evidence. 
just, just I, I want to see something, some sort of proof. The word undeniable came up a few times. Like literally somebody wrote on their card just proof, period. And I love that. I, I, I thought that was great. And then another person just wrote more, period. And that's basically like the longing that I saw from you guys answering this question, and I've seen from, from all the people I've been ask, asking this, is like at this point in time, what would grow your faith or belief in God the most? It was more. Just, I, I need more. And in some cases, I need a lot. I need a lot more. And in other cases, it was just, I need a little bit more. I just need something, something to hold on to, something that's personal that could change my life. Just, I need more. So thank you guys for responding to that so well and, and just, you know, being a good sport with me as I try different things. And did you guys ever feel like guinea pigs? Because I think you should, because I just kind of, I'm like, I'm going to do this, you know? Um, and you guys roll with it really well, and I thank you for that. That idea of more, though, I think is really important to, to visit as we talk about Christmas, as we lead up to Christmas, the idea of more. And I was thinking about it, like literally I, I looked through those cards that you guys gave me, the, you know, your responses last week. I just pray for you. I didn't know who is who, like you guys didn't put names on it, which is, that's what I told you to do, just anonymously put this in. But this idea of more, and I found myself asking God, like, God, why don't you give us more? You know, if, if we're people that, that want more, if, if we're people who, and that, that, that's everybody from, like, we're kind of all, no matter where we're at in our faith journey, we're all kind of in that same spot of more. For some of us, if you a person of faith, you might just be, God, I want more. I know you're real. I just want more of you. And then there might be some of us who have a little bit more of this posture, like our, our, our arms are crossed, and it's like, I, I need to see more. You see how there's a difference and yet a similarity. And I was just kind of praying for you and us and like the idea of more. Like why, if, if we want more, God, why don't you do more? It's a good question, right? Why not more miracles? Because that's what I hear a lot is like, like, like if, as I talk to, to students that are exploring faith and talk to people who are definitely, they would say, no, I don't have any faith. They're like, I just, I, there has to, you know, I need to see more. And there's just like, it, it, it's, not that I just, it's not that I don't believe in miracles. I just want to see one. That's what a lot of people of faith would say. Just, just one would do. And that would just galvanize me forever. You know, like that's what I need. Uh, I've listened to this podcast with Joe Rogan and Elon Musk recently. And I, I, I love it when those two guys are talking. The last time they were together, they shot, the, they shot a cyber truck with, with Joe Rogan's bow. They're like, let's go shoot a truck, you know, just see what happens. On this one particular podcast, they were talking about aliens, as Joe Rogan tends to do. And, um, and, and Joe Rogan's like, they're, they're talking about the pyramids, and, and Joe Rogan's like, you know, the pyramids, I was like, how did they build them? We don't know how they built them. And, and Joe Rogan asked Elon, he's like, do you think that the aliens helped build the, the, um, the pyramids? Which is totally a theory that's out there. Like, if we don't know how they built them, maybe they had help. And Elon's, uh, Elon's response, I loved it. He's like, 
Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe if we found a cube of titanium, like right in the middle of it, like all the way down in the bottom of it, then maybe we could like conclude that some sort of higher being helped them build the pyramids. But we don't have that, so we don't, you know, it doesn't count. In other words, if I'm going to believe that there's this other force in the universe, that's what they're talking about, right? Like, like, like it's just the world, here's only the world, and obviously, we know we're hu there's humans there, but we don't know if there's anything else. So I would need to see evidence of like a, an advanced technological society that could smelt fine titanium, craft it into a perfect cube, put that in the bottom. And if I saw something like that, then I would believe that there's aliens. I thought that was pretty good. I was like, that, that's a pretty good line of thought. And that there's something similar that happens when it comes to faith, especially on the atheist side of things. Atheists are kind of on the outside saying, okay, you guys of people of faith, you believe in a God, but like, where is he? One of my favorite atheist quotes of, of all times is a guy, uh, Russell Bertrand. And somebody was asking him, hey, if you were ever presented with God, like if, some, if you had to go before God and you're like, why don't you believe? What would, you know, what would you say? And this was, this was his response. He, he said, this is how I'd respond to God. Sir, why did you take such pains to hide yourself? It's a good response. Like I can't, you know, the atheist says, I can't see, I can't use my sensory, my sensory abilities, sight, feel, um, sound. I, I can't equate God. Therefore, I can't believe God because all we have is the natural world, Right? And it, I'm using the natural world to, to measure things. And so why, if there is a God, it, see, to the atheist, it, God should be the plainest of things, right? The most basic question of all is like, okay, why can't we see him? And I think there's a, for even people of faith, this, is, this, this kind of talk, this comes into our brain sometimes as well. Like, I believe, but I, I, wish, I wish I could see more, Right? If that's you, welcome to church. That's what I, like, like you're in a good spot. Like, I, I read through a stack of cards that this church filled out, and we're all saying, I want more. I'd like to see more. And here's the thing. That's true about our church, and I think that's true about a lot of people in church, like if we're honest with each other, ourselves. But it's also, when you open the, the scriptures, when you open the Bible, and especially in the New Testament, you see a lot of that. You see people of varying degrees of belief and doubt. People, but, but all of them are saying, I, I kind of want more. Especially in the New Testament, there's, there, there's this idea. We talked about last week. We talked about the incarnation. The fact that the, the incarnation is the belief that, that God became like one of us and dwelled among us in the person of Jesus this is, you know, Christmas is his birthday. We're, we're celebrating the advent or the coming or the timing of when Jesus came to, to be human and to be with us. That's the incarnation. Remember we talked about how it means in flesh, incarnate? Another way to say it is God in a bod. That's the incarnation. Okay? It's pretty, it's pretty simple. It's a fancy word, but the, the idea is pretty simple. And as the it is a very profound impact on what we believe if, you, if you're a Christian, that, that God would be willing, the God of the universe would be willing to pour himself into a little 
being and come and be among us. But naturally, like when you open up the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can take that slide down, by the way. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you open up the Gospels, you start to see that the... Um, you get, start to see the writers talking about what it was like to be with God incarnate. Because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed that Jesus was from God. And they started to write down, that the, the Gospels are them writing down, this is what it was like. And what's fascinating is God coming down in a bod and hanging out with people, what's fascinating is, is how much a divide there is in the Gospels. It's not like, okay, people, if, if we as humans are longing for God to do more, and God comes down, you would think that that would be like, okay, cool. He's done it. He's here. Everybody who talked to Jesus believed. It, like, he was able to, to just put all doubts aside as to who he was, and that's not what you find in the New Testament, and that's part of the reason why I tend to believe it, is because there's this honesty in the New Testament of the fact that, that even though Jesus is God, or that's at least what they're proposing, not everybody believed he was God. And what else is crazy, it's not because he was just some dude like you and me, and he didn't do anything godly or godlike. He actually did, like, according to the New Testament, he did a bunch of stuff that you and I can't do, like feeding 5,000 people, walking on water, uh, raising people from the dead, healing leprosy, like, like telling someone, hey, your, your son is sick at home. He's not sick anymore, and they went home, and he's well. He did a whole bunch of stuff, and yet, and this is, this, is, this is what I want us to see, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is, is what's interesting when it comes to miracles. Is he did a whole bunch of miracles, and it still wasn't enough. According to the New Testament, it is possible to see a bunch of miraculous things and still miss what's going on. It starts right with the, the, the birth of Jesus. The whole Christmas scene, there's a, there's a crazy star that's in the sky that leads some people to Jesus. There's some signs going on around. There's angels appearing. One of the key characters in, in that nativity scene, in that very first part of the Bible, is this guy called Herod. And Herod hears about all this, hears this buzz that there might be this king born, like someone from God, and there's these crazy things happen. And you know what his response is? He tries to kill him. He doesn't believe. He tries to kill him. So in the same story, there's all these things going on, and some people believe, like the shepherds and the wise men, you know, like all of the, all of the people who are in the nativity. We should put Herod somewhere in nativity, you know, like with like a sword or something like that. Because it's part of the story. Because part of the story, and this is my point, part of the story is disbelief, is doubt, is someone saying, no, that's not God, even though God is coming to the world. Fast forward. Jesus grows up. It's about age 30, we think, he comes on the scene and starts to do some pretty miraculous things. And it starts to create a buzz. 
people start coming around him. Who is this guy? What is he doing? He says he's the Messiah. He says he's God. You know, like this idea of incarnation. It starts this idea of God with us. If God is, is there, I want to, you know, I, I'm kind of, wouldn't you go? If, if you had a chance and someone's like, hey, God is over here, would you go see him? You know, like a lot, I think a lot of people would, right? So they go and figure, try to figure out what's he doing. And what's interesting is the fair, there's this group called the Pharisees. And, and literally in parts of the Gospels, Jesus has literally just done miracles, like, like hours before this. And then he makes a claim that he's basically God or that he's the son of God. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What signs do you have for this? And I remember, I imagine Jesus was like, really? Because like, see that guy right there? He's walking, he couldn't walk. See that guy over there? He was dead. You know, like, like all, like, it's right here. He's like, no, we need more. And here's the thing. We can, we can read a story like that and be like, yeah, no, bro, that wouldn't be me. But I think we need to be careful. Because it happened a lot. It happened, it actually happened throughout the Bible. Remember the whole Moses story if you grew up in church? There's two sides to that story. There's the Egyptian side and there's the Hebrew side. What's crazy is both sides saw all of the miraculous things, the ten plagues that God did to, to Egypt to show his might, to try to change Pharaoh's mind. It was, everybody saw it, plain as day, parted the Red Sea, everybody saw it, and yet Pharaoh dies denying it. What is that? What is the, uh, here's, 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 here's what I'm toying with for the title of today's sermon. A guide on how to miss God. Or the Bible's guide on how to miss God. Because there's a lot of stories in the Bible of people who's got to see God do a lot of things and still miss him. And my point is, how do we make sure that's not us? How do we make sure that we're not one of the ones that's like, I want more God, and God's like, really? You want me to do more? And, and in a sense, that maybe even if he did more, more would never be enough. How do we make sure that that's not us? Another example, and this is, this is interesting, and there's one, there's one uh, passage out of Luke we're going to look at more t- this morning, but real quickly, you guys remember the passage of the, the sower and the seeds, the, uh, the parable of the sower and the seeds, where Jesus, if you haven't, it's pretty simple, Jesus tells the story about basically this very dynamic, that a sower went to sow his seeds, and the sower in this parable is God, and he's throwing his seeds out onto different types of soil, on paths, in, in rocky places, in places where there's a lot of weeds, and then places where the soil is good. And then he talks through how in different places the seeds grow in different ways or don't grow at all, right? And he's, he's like, and then he ends that, that passage, you know, that, that parable, saying, that, you know, God is kind of like that. He's sprinkling himself out. He's revealing himself out, and some people believe and some people don't. What is that? You know, it, it makes people think as you listen to the parable, what is that? And at the very end of the parable, he says this. He says this very Jesus-esque phrase. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. 
You know, all this happened. God throw, goes and throws the seeds over here. He throws the seeds over here. Some people grow. Some people don't. He who has ears, let, let them hear. And the disciples, the disciples, the disciples, this, this is great. The disciples see him do this, and they kind of, they do this a lot in the, in the, the Gospels, in the New Testament. They're like, Jesus, um, why do you keep doing this? Like, 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 what's with the parables? Like, why don't you just, it, Jesus, we're sensing we want people, you want people to follow you. We're sensing that you want people to come to God and, and connect with God. Why don't you just make it simpler? Can I get an amen? We've all been there. Why, like, you know, to, to, to do the, the Russell Bertrand. Why are you making, like, why are you going to great pains to hide yourself? Jesus, make it simpler. And, he, and, and Jesus says this, and this, I don't have this verse for you in, the, in this, just I'll read it to you. It's story time, right? He's like, hey, they're like, why do you do this? And they're like, he said, the knowledge of the secrets of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Not that I'm hiding it from you, but I'm, he just told it. It's the same seed everywhere. But for some reason, some people get it and some people don't. And he says this. He says this, whoever does not have, no, 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 This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. That, that phrase of he who has ears, let him hear, that's a ridiculous statement. We all have ears. We were born with them. But it doesn't mean that all of us will listen. You see what Jesus is saying? Like, like there's two types of people in the world. And it is not those who have ears and those who don't have ears. We all have ears. There's two types of people in the world. There's those who have ears and there's those who will listen. It is in this that to fulfill the prophecy in Isaiah, you will ever be hearing but never understanding. Isn't that sad? You'll ever be seeing but never perceiving. For those peoples, and here's the reason why. Here's what gives us, here's, here's what happens, or here's how it comes about that we have ears but we don't listen. For the people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with the ears, and they've closed their eyes. Isn't that interesting? It's a, it's a status of our hearts that allows us to listen. I, I want to give, let's do the, the C.S. Lewis quote. And I need you to bear with me on this quote. It's a long quote, and it's kind of heady, kind of philosophical, but it's so good. It just, it, it, it talks about perfectly what we're talking about here. He's, he just got talking about, this is in his book called Miracles. And it's all about the supernatural and, and, and whether we believe in the supernatural or not. And he's like, hey, our senses, he talks about the idea of like we need our senses to be, to be able to believe and verify that something is true, right? Like that's, that's pretty normal. He's like, but sometimes our senses, even if, if, if our senses sense it, we, we sometimes don't believe it because, because of, of what he's about to talk about. He's like, every event which might claim to be a miracle is, in the last resort, something presented to our senses. We see it, we feel it, whatever. Something seen, heard, touched, smelled, or tasted. And our senses are not infallible, meaning that we, that we can make mistakes uh, in anything uh, if anything extraordinary seems to have happened, we can always say that we have been a victim to an illusion. Like, yes, I saw that, but it must have been. Like, I, I saw that, that, that phantom or that shadow, but it must have just not, it, it wasn't a ghost. 
right? Like if you, if you saw a ghost tonight, you, your, your brain would be like, I did not see a ghost. Because you don't want to see a ghost, right? So, so we can like, even though we saw something with our senses, it means that we can actually like talk ourselves out of it. It, it does happen. Go to the next slide. If we hold a philosophy which excludes the supernatural, meaning the supernatural can't be part of, only what's, only what's true is in the natural world. Okay, so if we hold a philosophy which excludes the supernatural, this is what we shall always say. We'll always say, we'll find a reason to not believe what we've seen with our senses. What we learn from experience depends on the kind of philosophy we bring to the experience. Let me read that again. What we learn from an experience when we experience something depends on the kind, it doesn't depend on the experience, it actually depends on the kind of philosophy we bring to that experience. It is therefore useless to appeal to experience before we have settled, as well as we can, the philosophical question. Now I know that, that I know this is like, this is C.S. Lewis at his best, right? This is like heady, like this is deep, but I don't want you to miss it. The philosophical question that I want us to answer today, and it's simply this, put that question up. If God did a miracle, would we allow ourselves to see it? You know, we're, we're, all, we're all longing for more. But the reality is, with our philosophical underpinnings of what can and can't happen in the world, if God did a miracle, would we even be able, like, like if he truly did a miracle, would we allow ourselves to believe it? I went to Uganda in January, and I had this crazy, uh, the whole experience was otherworldly. Like, it was just so cool to see uh, just a literally uh, uh, something so unfamiliar. Like, I haven't traveled that, I've never traveled that far, and I've never been in a culture that's so different than ours. It was so cool. While we're there, this guy, uh, it's, it's, I'm hanging out at the church with some other pastors, and this pastor told the story about how um, he came to faith. And the story goes that his wife was really, really sick, dying, okay? And, and in fact, like as he was, and, and, and as he was, he, he was with his wife, and then he left to go get help. And as he left, his son was like, dad, mom is dead. And then, so he, and, and as he's going to get help, he felt like God was saying, go over here and talk to this man who happened to be a pastor. This is the main point of contact that we had there in Uganda, this pastor, his name is um, Pastor Allison. And, and he's like, go see Pastor Allison over here and tell him what's going on. So the man goes over to Pastor Allison and, uh, and gets Pastor Allison. They go back. She's already dead. Pastor Allison prays for her, and she's raised from the dead. And what's crazy is he's telling that story, and his wife is next to him. Okay? Guys, I'm not sure if I believe it or not. I'm not sure. Like, 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 I'm literally, like, one of the questions that I'm, I've been dealing with this week in preparation for this is I was like, have I ever seen a miracle? I don't think I have. 
And you know, I don't think I've, you know, like, as a pastor, I haven't seen a miracle. I, can't think, I couldn't think of anything that, like, that was the miraculous. That was the supernatural. I can think of a lot of ways where I felt God's leading. I thought, I, I thought, a lot of, I, I, I thought about a lot of God's providence in my life that was, like, way beyond coincidence. Like, like this summer, I was, um, I was praying about something. God's like, you need to confess a sin to this person. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And then that person who I, I had not seen in years showed up on my doorstep like 10 days later. You know, and like that built my faith. You know, talk about like, you know, at that point in time, what, what could God do to grow your faith? That built my faith. But as far as like the, the miraculous, the supernatural, but I, I, I met this woman. I shook her hand. She gave me a hug at the end. She was alive. And, and, but was that real? I don't know. Question for you, if, if God did a miracle, would you allow yourself to believe it? Would you allow yourself to see it? See, see here's the problem with miracles. And see, see this, gets at, this gets at the bottom of why I think God doesn't use miracles as much as we'd like. Is it's not always effective. So going back to the cube in the bottom of the pyramids... If tomorrow, in the newspaper, New York Times, Washington Post, whatever, there was an article about archaeologists found a titanium cube at the base, you know, at the very bottom in this chamber, this hidden chamber that hasn't been, no one's been in for thousands of years, in the base of the pyramids, would, would Elon Musk believe that there's... Aliens. Joe Rogan would, because he I think he wants to. And here's the other thing, here's the other thing that, that happens with this whole belief thing. Is like a lot of times what happens to us is like the more we see people believing stuff that we're not sure about, the further we take steps back. Right? The more we see people being gullible, the more cynical we become. But here's the thing. I don't think I'd believe it. I'd be like, yeah, someone placed that there. Like, let's just, let's just say for the sake of argument, an actual titanium cube was there, and it was aliens that made it to tell us that they built the pyramids. How are we talking about this in church? This is great. <laughs> I still wouldn't believe it. Would you? Or would you be like, ah, maybe. How do I know someone didn't just slip it in? See, that's the problem with miracles. They only, like somebody, somebody in the cave that found it, they'd be like, dude, we know someone's not been in here for 2,000, 4,000, 5,000 years. There's a cube. There's aliens. But even in, the, even in the group that's going down and doing the digging, there's going to be some like, no, I just, I can't believe it. I don't believe it. Why? Because it's C.S. Lewis's thing. It's not just about the experience. It's the philosophy that we bring to the experience. I'll ask you again. Even if God did a miracle, would you see it? Would you be able to see it? Go to Luke chapter 16, verse 19. This is a classic, and this, this, this is a really cool passage by Jesus because we're really not sure. It has this parable-esque um, aspect to it. But he doesn't say that it's a parable. So we're not quite sure if it's actually something that happened or if it's one of those stories that Jesus used like 
God isn't actually a parable or, or a farmer throwing seed. He's like one. Is, is this a like or is this an actual is? We're not quite sure. But there's this, this account, Luke chapter 16. You're not, can you read that? Good luck. Better pack a lunch. All right. Chapter 19, verse 16. I'm sorry, chapter 16. And there's Bibles right next to you. Within arm's reach, there's a Bible. If you can't read that. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Get the picture? Can you picture the guy? He's, he's got nice clothes. He's got luxury. He's rich. Contrary, uh, you know, contrary to this, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores. So now this guy's poor, and he's covered with sores, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Okay, so pause for a second. Who do you pity? Yeah, it's pretty easy. Lazarus, the guy who doesn't have a home, who's outside the rich man's home, just looking for scraps, who's in pain. Verse 22, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And again, this is one of the passages we actually don't really quite know what it means, but it, it, what we do know it means Abraham, uh, Abraham represents blessing. Abraham, God said, hey, I'm going to bless you and bless everybody through you. And so obviously you're with me. I'm with you for, for eternity, Abraham. You're with me. So to be by Abraham's side is to be near Abraham, which means near blessing, near God, okay? The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him. He called. So, so, so there's these two men. They're in the afterlife. Okay, this is a crazy story. We honestly, a lot of times, don't know what to do or make of the story. But if it, it might be a parable, it might not be. We're not sure. But like, imagine in the afterlife, there's two men that recognize each other, but they're like far apart. He's, this guy sees Lazarus by by Abraham's side. And he calls out. He says, "Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus." to dip the tip of his finger in, in water and cool my tongue because I'm in, in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime, you got a lot. You received a lot of good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this between us and you, besides all this between you, us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed, and, and we can't go across it. Those who, who want to go from here cannot, nor can anyone cross from there to us. And then the man's like, "Okay, fine. If you can't, if you can't give me a little bit of respite, just with a, a drink of water, a, 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 a drop of water, do this for me." He answered, verse twenty-seven. Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers. Warn them. Let, let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And here's where it starts to get interesting in, as, in regards to our conversation. Abraham replied, they have had Moses and the prophets. Let them, what's that word? Listen to them. 
God's made himself known already in a lot of ways. Like they've had a lot of chances to listen to God. And, 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 and the guy pushes back. He says, no, Father Abraham said, but if someone from the dead, meaning if, if, if a miracle happened, right, goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Even though if they haven't listened to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced with the experience, right? The evidence of someone rising from the dead. And, and see, this, is, this, this, par- it's all, this parable is meant to be cautionary to us. It's, it's meant to, you know, like anytime you read a parable, it's like, who are you more like? Are you like the beggar or are you like the rich guy? And you have to wrestle with that. Like, where, where do I fit in this parable? Am I like this guy's brothers who like, yeah, there's, there's stuff around me, but like, I need more. But maybe more wouldn't even be enough. Put up that, that what's that, that uh, the slide that has the evidence and the openness. Here's my point, and I think this is from C.S. Lewis. It's from these parables. Belief. It requires two things. It requires not only evidence, but it also requires openness. See, we don't think about it this way. We're like, God, I just want you to do more. I want you to do something undeniable. I want you to do something personal. And and, and it's like, okay, and then when he doesn't, it's like, but why doesn't he? It's, it's, It's part of the reason why. It's part of the reason why is he's God and he does what he wants. But the other part of it is, we think that evidence would be enough. But all of these stories stand as a cautionary tale to us that maybe it won't. It's not just evidence that would do. It's also whether or not we would be even open to it. So in conclusion, in, in, as we wrap up today, I, I was, as I was preparing this, I was like, I thought of this simple prayer. And I think it's a good prayer. And I think, it's, I think this is a good prayer for people of faith, people of, of like on the beginning of faith, wherever you are in your faith journey. I think this is a really good prayer. And it's just simply this. God, give me eyes to see you. Give me ears to hear you. Another version of this prayer is, you could even start it this way and say, God, I don't want to miss you. And you can pray that even if you're not sure if God is real. You might f- feel silly, but you can do it. Like, like, like uh, honestly, I think you should try it. Like, God, I'm, you can even start it with that. God, I am not sure you are real. Okay? And then the next line could be, but I don't want to miss you. Give me eyes to see you. I think that God answers prayers like that. Because here's what I believe. I believe that God actually does want to be known. That's why he sent his son. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about the incarnation. 
I think the way that he wants to be known is something that's hard for us to understand sometimes. And that makes sense if you think about it. That's not hard to believe. He's God. We're not. Right? I think how he wants to be known is an important part of this conversation. Like the, I think if, if God's goal in life was to make himself known, he could do that. But there's something about it that is like, but I, there's, there's a certain way how I want to be known. It would be like if you imagine if you were extremely wealthy and all of your friends are like, prove it. Would that make you want to spend money more? Probably not. If you, especially if you're a modest, wealthy person. And I think there is a modesty to God, the God of the universe, which is strange to think about. If he wanted to make himself known, he could do that. He could do it every morning. You know, like, why not 9 a.m. every morning? Oh, there's God making himself known in the sky again. We all know it. Yeah, he could do that. But maybe there's something that would be lost if he did. How he is known is important. But what if he wants us to reach out to him in, in, with a prayer with them from, the, from our hearts, saying, God, I don't want to miss you. Give me eyes to see you. Let me, let me, let, let's, let's pray. In fact, let's just do that. Let's, in a spirit of prayer. And you don't have to say it out loud. Just say it, it, say it in your heart. If you want to, just, just say, God, I don't want to miss you. I want to see you. Give me eyes to see you.